Are you ready to get dark? Welcome to the John Campia Show After Dark, the show where we talk about peeing without lifting the toilet seat up. The show where we talk about dipping, double dipping your chips in the dip while other people are waiting to use the same dip. Yes, we're so edgy. We're so edgy. It's good to have you guys here. Welcome to the John Campy Show After the Dark, the show that is really just a live companion video where we uh, take the leftover live comments and questions you guys sent in and we interact a little bit here in the live chat. Good to have you guys here. Hello to everybody in there from Nate, Dominic, uh, Alexia, uh, Steve, Ryan, KC, Screen Talk, everybody else who's out there right now. How you doing, guys? Are you ready to be edgy and dark because that's what all the cool things are right they're all dark anyway guys good to have you here on this thursday evening i just finished watching the thursday night football game uh man panthers three you know who knew all it took was for Darnelson to get out of the out of new york and away from the jets anyway i'm sure jets fans are grinding their teeth right now i i feel for you dudes i feel for you anyway guys good to have you here listen as you guys know, here's what this show really is. Every day on the John Campus Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions. However, we normally don't have enough time to get around to all the comments and questions that get sent in, but I want to make sure that you guys don't have to wait too long to get those questions answered. So we gather them up here and we address them on After Dark. So it's good to have all you guys here. So let's not waste any time and jump right into it, shall we? We're going to start things off with, if I can uh, find it, haven't found it yet, that's not it at all. Uh, what are we looking for? Oh, yes, we're looking for this. We're going to get things started off here with Adam S., who writes, Hey, John, what is the difference between green screen and blue screen? Uh, what are the pros and cons for each, and and how have they revolutionized the industry over the years? Well, I'm not going to go into a full half-hour talk about how blue screen and green screen. That's a good question, though, but what's the difference between blue screen and green screen? Really nothing. Really nothing. Um. It's just a matter of, you know, what color has less of that color in the shot that you have. So, for example, if your talent has a blue shirt, you don't want to use a blue screen. Because if you're trying to pull blue as the key, it's going to be thrown off by the fact that maybe your actor has blue eyes. Or maybe they've, they're have they wearing a blue tie or something like that. It's, it's all this. Eventually... More and more, what started off, blue screen was pretty much the primary one that they used to use. And then eventually they started transitioning more over to green screens just because there's less natural green pigmentation in a lot of stuff. But now they're even, the industry even is starting to move away from green screen. I mean, don't get me wrong. Green screen is still a very, very important part of a lot of production. But you're starting to see with like the stagecraft being used in Mandalorian and now that's being used more and more. You're seeing more new technology starting to even replace blue and green screen, which has been a pretty regular part of production for the last couple of decades. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go with that. All right. Next up, we got Ben Platt's Fading Youth writes. Besides the fact that he looks too old, I find the makeup that they gave Ben Platt for Evan Hansen so distracting. If you have to put that much makeup on him to hide his age, you should have just recast. It's like if Clint Eastwood played uh, played the boy in Up. I don't know if it's that extreme. But I, I will say this. You know, let me use a sports analogy here for a second, guys, if, if you don't mind, if you'll indulge me. You know, 
Tim Tebow is a heck of a football player. But back when Tebow mania was going on, Tebow time was going on, a lot of teams didn't want to pick him up. And it's not because he wasn't a good player. It's not because he wasn't a good guy. It's that a number of teams said, look, they didn't want the distraction. They didn't want the circus that would come along with Tim Tebow being on your team, right? They just didn't want that distraction. They didn't want that circus. They didn't want that to be a huge thing that was taking away from a lot of other things they do. That also happens with a lot of other things, right? Sometimes a team won't want something because they don't want the distraction. The real unfortunate thing with the Ben Platt is that does he look too old to be in this movie? Yes. Is that really a big deal? Honestly, it's not really that big of a deal. I mean, he clearly is too old to play a high school student. But at the end of the day, is it that big of a deal? I'll tell you why they really should have replaced him. Because nobody is talking about Dear Evan Hansen and the music in it. Nobody's talking about Dear Evan Hansen and the story of it. Nobody's talking about Dear Evan Hansen and the moral of the story or or the meaning of it or the important things they're trying to get across, you know, and the message of the movie. Whenever Dear Evan Hansen comes up, all anybody is talking about is that Ben Platt looks too old to play in it. And if for no other reason, you should have recast for that. Because you want people talking about your movie and the music that's in it. You want people talking about the movie and the moral of the story. You want people talking about the movie and the the hope lifting that it does. You want people talking about the movie and talking about the performances in it. You don't want, whenever your movie comes up, to be talking about how old the lead guy is. And they should have known this was going to be an issue. Because I'm, I'm telling you guys, without exaggeration... Without exaggeration, every time I've heard Dear Evan Hansen come up in the last week or so, it's always been around the Ben Platt stuff. And and, and is he too old? Does it take away from it? Should they de-age him? Should he have not been? So they shot themselves in the foot. And again, I'm taking nothing away from Ben Platt. That dude has the voice of an angel. Ben Platt is an effing wicked singer. Like awesome, awesome singer. Edson Volker is saying, who the hell's Ben Platt? He's the lead guy in Dear Evan Hansen. And he was the he played the lead in the stage show, in the Broadway version of it. He was the lead guy in the stage show. And then when they were making the movie version of it, they just thought, let's bring him over, even though he's 28 years old and playing a high school student. Which is fine if you look like Tom Holland. That's fine if you look like Tom Holland. But again... They've shot themselves in the foot because whenever Dear Evan Hansen comes up, all their talk, all people are talking about every every outlet I read, almost every tweet I see, everything's about Ben Platt, Ben Platt's age. And you want to keep people talking about the right things. So for that reason alone, they really probably should have cast somebody else. And I haven't gone to watch the movie yet. I'm going to do that this week, this weekend. But. I mean, it almost doesn't matter now how good he is in it. And, and that, that's, that's terrible to say, but it almost doesn't matter how good he is in it. 
Because all the audience is talking about is that he looks too old to be in the movie. You've completely distracted everybody away from your movie. And it's unfortunate, but that's kind of the way it is. All right. Uh, next up, we've got an anonymous viewer who writes, Hey, John, big fan. Thank you so much. Just wanted to add another recommendation for Squid Game. A lot of you guys have been writing in about this Korean show, Squid Game. I just watched it, and it's great. It's basically about a guy who ends up in this mysterious game show type game to win money. I believe Rob was talking about it on Twitter, too. Uh, you are now the third or fourth person who's written in about that. By the way, let me. you guys in the live chat right now, have any of you guys been watching this Squid Game like, as I said the other night, to me, it sounds like a, a cooking, a seafood cooking show on the Food Network. This week on Squid Game, our secret ingredient is tilapia. That's that's what it feels like. A um, bunch of you guys are saying no, but uh, Tech Odyssey is saying yes. It's one in one sitting. It's very good. A uh, bunch of you guys are saying you haven't heard of it. I haven't heard of it either. Uh, Daniela Real is saying yes, it's really good. Yeah, I'm probably going to have to check it out. I'm probably going to have to check it out. Um, by the way, Monsignor Laval Jones, MD, sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Monsignor. Appreciate that, dude. All right, let's move on here. Uh, next up, we've got asking the real questions rights. Was the scene in Cherry where we see a Oh, that was, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, more of a, a Tom Holland's butthole, please. Uh, anyway, that was, that was, yeah. Was the scene in Cherry where we see a rectal exam from the point of view of Holland's rectum an homage to Dr. Doolittle when Robert Tunney Jr. gives the dragon a colonoscopy? Truly cinema, yeah. You know what? I, In all seriousness, though, Cherry, Cherry's a movie that very quietly came and went because Cherry was a movie that a lot of people including me and probably including a lot of you, we're really looking forward to it. It's going to be this heavy, heavy drama. You got Tom Holland in there. You got the Russo brothers involved. And there was a lot of excitement about how good that movie could be. And frankly, I found it to be quite a disappointment. I didn't think it was horrible. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying, oh man, that movie was crap. But it it was a disappointment. It really was a disappointment to me. And it just kind of highlights, too, that, I, I mean, you know me, I love the Russo brothers, but I'm waiting for them to to produce or direct something that I just go, yeah, that's awesome, outside of the MCU, because I haven't seen it yet. And, uh, yeah, anyway, it's, it's just reminded me about that. Cherry was pretty much a disappointment. All right. Anyway, thanks for writing that in, dude. Next up, uh, Joel C81 writes, good day, John and team. During your After Dark show, I'm assuming you this was last night, someone brought up the best Tom Berenger movies. Yes, that's right. I said Platoon and Major League. Anyway, thought I'd add in the most unheard of movie, 1988 Shoot to Kill. I don't know if I remember that one. Tom Berenger, Christy Alley, Sidney Poitier on a manhunt in the woods. Great movie. I don't know if I remember that one. What's it called? Shoot to Kill? The title sounds familiar, but I, I don't recall that one with Tom Berenger. I have to go and look that one up. Thank you, Joe, Joe, Joel C. I appreciate you writing that in. All right, next up, Ben Burnside writes, Hey, John, I just saw the trailer for American Underdog about Kurt Warner, and as a huge Kurt Warner and Rams fan, uh, it is effing awesome. What did you think of the trailer? Also, I'm looking forward to winning the Super Bowl and kicking Tampa's ass this Sunday. I'm going, by the way. I am going to the Rams-Tampa Bay Buccaneers game this Sunday. It's going to be the first time Ann and I go to uh, SoFi Stadium. 
I just really want to go because it's going to probably be the only opportunity I get to actually in person see the all hail, the king of kings, the goat of goats, Tom Brady, actually play football live. I want to be, before he retires, I wanted to be able to say, I went and watched Tom Brady play because I never had a chance to watch him play live when he played in New England. I haven't had a chance to watch him play live since he played in Tampa Bay. So when I found out he was coming to town and said we could get ourselves some tickets for that. So I'm very, very excited about that game. Um, and uh, yeah, Maxi S is saying the new LA stadium is sick. Dudes, it is crazy sick. Have you got, if you haven't seen SoFi Stadium, S-O-F-I, SoFi Stadium, the brand new stadium in Los Angeles. Oh my God, go and look it up. It looks so sick. That and the new um, the new stadium that's in uh, Las Vegas for the Raiders. Uh, that, that also, I can't, I got to go to a game there because that looks pretty sick too. Anyway, so American underdog, Kurt Warner was... He's a Hall of Fame quarterback now, but he was literally a guy who was like in his 30s, like late 20s or early early 30s, I can't remember, was like literally bagging groceries, literally was bagging groceries. And then really late in life for a football player, he gets this opportunity, he goes to the Rams, he ends up being the quarterback for what they call the greatest show on turf, won a Super Bowl, and is now a Hall of Fame quarterback, and he's amazing. So they made a movie about his life called American Underdog. Now, many of you guys know that me and Aaron Cummings went to Las Vegas a few weeks ago to go to CinemaCon. They showed us like 10 minutes of this. They showed us the trailer and they also showed us like 10 minutes of it. And Dennis Quaid plays the coach of the LA Rams in it. The one thing, and I'm I'm a big Kurt Warner fan. And you know what they gave us as goodies? They gave us a Kurt Warner autographed football. They gave us a Kurt Warner autographed football as a little memento of, uh, of CinemaCon and watching this thing. Now, I will say this. I would be excited about this movie, except for the fact that it is a faith-based movie. John, what do you have against faith? Nothing. I'm a Bible college student. I got my bachelor's degree in religious education. I went to seminary. But even in Bible college, even in Bible college, me and all my friends there hated, hated all faith-based films. Because not to paint everything with a broad broad brush, but faith-based films suck. (laughs) Faith-based films suck. And like I said, even when we were in Bible college, we all hated faith-based films. They were just terrible. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this will be the movie that breaks that mold. Maybe this will be the movie that that breaks that mold because I do like Kurt Warner a lot. And uh, the the stuff they showed us wasn't all that bad. Actually, no, the stuff they showed us at CinemaCon was pretty good for American Underdog. So uh, we'll see. Fingers crossed, but we'll see. Anyway, thanks for writing that in, Ben Burnside. All right, next up, Dangerous D writes, Hey, John, do you remember the movie All of Me? Yeah, All of Me. And I remember the song in it and everything. Do you remember the, the movie All of Me starring Lily Tomlin and Steve Martin? I think this is an underrated comedy that Steve Martin did. It's about a lawyer, Martin, uh, where a comedic accident gets half of his body possessed by the spirit of Lily Tomlin's character. Yeah, I, I liked All of Me, actually. Actually, 
I, I think they came out relatively close. I remember like that movie came out when I was young. All right. That actually, what year did all of me come out? Let me look it up here for a second. All of me. Um, 84. So I was like 11 or something like that when that movie came out. Um, so there's that one. Now that one came out. If that was 84, uh, what year did kiss me goodbye come out? 82. Okay. So it was only two years separated. It reminds me a lot of kiss me goodbye and kiss me goodbye was another comedy with Sally field, uh, Jeff bridges and James Caan. And basically what it was was Sally field was married to James Caan's character who was a famous Broadway choreographer. But he died like two years earlier. And now Sally Field is moving on with her life. She's fallen in love again with Jeff Bridges and they're about to get married. And I think like on the day or the week of their of their wedding, James Conn's ghost reappears back in the house during the you know, right when Sally Field's supposed to marry Jeff Bridges again. And I just remember. So I probably watched him because I never I didn't see either of these in theaters. I was too young. But I think my parents probably brought these home on home video right about the same time. And I remember watching All of Me and Kiss Me Goodbye right around the same time. And they're two fun little movies. They're two fun little movies. I like them very much. So I'm glad you brought that one up, Dangerous D. All right, next up, we got Pano75 who writes, uh, after seeing Cry Macho, I realized how much I'll miss Clint when he leaves us. Simple stories of simple men told in a simple yet so effective way. No shaky cam, flashy, CGI-infested action scenes, or overly convoluted plots. One of the last greats. Well, listen, lots of filmmakers make, lots of, most indie filmmakers make just, you know, narration-centric movies where the narrative is everything, much like Clint Eastwood. But Clint Eastwood's a master at it. He really is. Even the films of his that I don't like so much, you just can't help but also admire how well the films are made. He really knows how to pace out a story and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, whenever he decides to retire, it will be it will be a sad day for movie fans whenever he does decide to retire. All right, Panos also writes, uh, some movies I enjoyed lately despite low critical ratings. Mr. Church, I don't remember that one. The Other Bolin Girl, did that one not have good critic ratings? I like The Other Bolin Girl too. Uh, Draft Day, oh, your Kevin Costner one there. Uh, did that one not get great pos- Anyway, uh, Four Brothers, I'd also like to give a middle finger to the American moviegoers who didn't go see Nice Guys. What the fuck is wrong with you people? Yeah, it's, I mean, you guys know me, right? I always say that the poster child movie for good original films that nobody just goes to support was nice guys. Russell Crowe, Ryan Gosling, uh, directed by Shane Black. Fabulous movie. Fabulous movie. And nobody went to go see it. It was completely original. It was fresh. It was just, it was quick. It was witty. It was entertaining and nobody went to go see it. It's always bothered me because that could have, that should have been a franchise. Nice guys should have been a franchise, but nobody wanted to support it. And it's really too bad. All right. Next up, which one's pink? One of six writes, um, Hey, John, a crew. There are some talk of superhero fatigue. I think there are some arrows that point to this and there are other arrows that do- that doesn't. However, I don't believe there is superhero fatigue. I'm starting to think there is DC fatigue. I disagree, but at any rate. Um, and the numbers sort of confirm it. No, they really don't. Anyway, uh, because 
the last two MCU movies have outperformed the three last DC movies with over 150 million. Now the question isn't exact here. Now the equation isn't exact here as Wonder Woman 84 didn't have a U.S. theatrical release, but the international box office is about the same as the Suicide Squad. And they also, yeah, but you got to look at when it came out. You can't, you can't try to draw any conclusions under those circumstances at all anyway. And they also released Zack Snyder's Justice League, which didn't make them any money. Well, that's because nobody was interested in it. Uh, I mean, I mean, that's hyperbole. You know what I mean? In the grand scale of things is what I mean. Obviously, there were some people interested in it, uh, which didn't make them any money. And if we add the third MCU movie, Spider-Man, the MCU outperformed DC with nearly $1.3 billion. To me, that is Scrooge McDuck money. Uh, and we are drowning in DC TV and streaming shows. I actually don't know how many there are, and most of them seem to be running on repeat. Take Supergirl, six seasons with 21 episodes per season, the last 40 minutes each, that last 40 minutes each, which is just an average CW show. Uh, to me, Kevin Feige's worst effort is mediocre but entertaining. Can't say that about DC. And now we have all these shows coming off these DC movies. I told my neighbor about the Penguin Show, and he said, wasn't there just a Penguin Show? Uh, geeks know better, uh, but do normies. So what do you think? Is it too much DC content out there? Have they saturated the market? Anyways, thanks for getting us through the pandemic. Now, Zevia, sponsor John, you cheap sons of bitches. I got to listen. Thanks for writing that out. Which one's pink? I appreciate that very much. No, I disagree. I, I, I do not think there is DC fatigue. I don't. And you're trying to draw comparisons with a Wonder Woman 84 that came out when no movies were coming out, right? When no movies are coming out, you're trying to compare a Spider-Man to an R-rated Suicide Squad with all unknown characters coming off of a movie that critics and fans didn't like all that much in the original Suicide Squad. And you're trying to compare them like they're apples to apples and it's not. Is there a lot of DC content out there right now? Yeah. Because a lot of it has an audience. You know, I never liked Supergirl. I, I tried it when it came out. I never liked it. But it lasted six seasons because it had an audience. Maybe not a massive audience, but it had, listen, you got to give credit where credit's due. It has an audience, right? Supernatural played 20 plus episodes a year for 15 years or more. Right? It had an audience. So, you know, Green Arrow had like one of the biggest audiences CW ever had. Then Flash had like one of the biggest audiences the CW ever had. And, you know, uh, uh, Black Lightning, which I really like Black Lightning, by the way. Black Lightning had some really good numbers when it was first started going too. Anyway, I, I, so no, I don't agree. I do not believe that there is DC movie fatigue. I don't believe that at all. Listen, winning cures everything. Like everybody pretends like it was 18 years ago that Aquaman made a billion dollars at the box office. It was just basically yesterday. You know, take the pandemic out of it. And it was basically yesterday. Everybody pretends like the Joker made a billion dollars at the box office. Like it was 15 years ago. Remember back when Tom Brady was a rookie and Joker made a billion dollars? No, it was practically yesterday that Joker made a billion dollars at the box office. I mean, so, 
Yeah, no. And anything that you're trying to compare to it now is different. Now, yeah, Marvel's had some big successes, particularly with Shang-Chi. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Eternals. But no, I, I don't believe there is DC movie fatigue. And that had nothing to do with DC movie fatigue. It had nothing to do with the results of Zack Snyder's Justice League. Look, it, it's, it was basically an extended director's cut. It was so no, there in the online noise made it look like there was a lot of people excited about it. The reality was it there wasn't. But it came out and it was good, but it it's unrealistic to say, oh, that extended director's cut should have made all this money. That's not fair. Like I'm gonna tell you right now, you put out What's uh what's another billion dollar film there for uh for Marvel? I'm I'm just trying to pick one out of the top of my head here. So Spider-Man Far From Home, right? Spider-Man Far From Home made a billion dollars at the box office. Far more than Justice League did. But if you re-release Spider-Man Far From Home, but it's like just got an extra hour attached to it, but it's it's essentially the same movie. It's an extra hour. You know, it's the it's the John Watts director's cut of it. You think that's going to make a ton of money at the box office either? It's not. It's not. So I think that's unfair to put brand new movie financial expectations on something like, um, or even HBO expectations to put brand new movie expectations on a film like Zack Snyder's Justice League. I don't think that's fair. And I don't think you can compare it to everything else like it's apples to apples. So I got to respectfully disagree. I, I appreciate the fact that you spelled out your position on that a lot, but I honestly don't agree. Uh, I don't agree. Okay, let's move on then. Next up, uh, we've got, um, where, where were we? That was six. Okay, Mark 2021 writes, Hey, John, we have Discovery Plus in the UK, Ireland, and other countries, but no HBO Max. When they eventually take over, does this mean that we will finally get HBO Max in these countries? Thanks. No, because even though they're going to be owned by the parent company, HBO Max is still bound by all the licensing and territorial agreements that it's currently bound under. Right? Uh, Let's put it this way. Let's say... Um, let's say I am a football player for the Los Angeles Rams. All right. And I sign a contract with the Los Angeles Rams that I'm going to get paid $2 million a year for three years. Well, if Los Angeles trades me to say the Raiders, the Raiders are still obligated to honor my contract. But they're not the ones, it doesn't matter. When they traded for me, they also took on all the legal responsibilities, all of the legal um, obligations that comes along with me and my contract. When Discovery takes over Warner Brothers, they take on all the existing legal responsibilities and obligations to any contracts, licenses, territorial rights, all that kind of stuff. They take that on too. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure that Warner Brothers and HBO Max have already been working on a plan to grow and expand. So eventually you're going to get HBO Max everywhere. But just because they are suddenly owned by Discovery does not mean now that they get to be everywhere that Discovery is. 
They still got to operate by the all the requirements and all the obligations that HBO Max functions under. Anyway, there you go. Uh, good question, though, Mark. All right. VFX guy writes, hey, John, I'm very torn on the IATSE strike. I work in visual effects and fully understa- understand working stupid overtime and being underpaid. But at the same time, last year it was hard to get work due to the shutdowns. How long do you think a strike could last? Kids got to eat. Honestly, I have no idea. But I, I do know this. And I don't want to get into the politics of it. Um, but I will say this. A lot of people are working unhealthy, ridiculous amounts of hours for unreasonable amounts of pay. They're working far too many hours for far too small of a rate. And that's got to change because long-term it's going to hurt a lot more than whatever short-term hurt is going to be caused. Like, yeah, it's going to hurt when you go on strike. It, it If, if you go on strike, because maybe they'll work out a deal before a strike has to be called. That would be perfect for everybody. And that could still very well happen. But if you do go on strike, it'll hurt for now. But in the long run, in the long run, it'll be much, much better for everybody involved. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's just something to look for. And how long could it last? I don't know. Because I know this. Hollywood is desperately trying to recover from the pandemic. They can't. The Producers Association cannot. Now that production is all up and running again, they can't have a complete and total production stoppage for very long. They can't do it. They can't do it. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, I, I can't see it. If, if if it goes to strike, I cannot see it lasting very long. Because, I mean, it's not, it's not good for the, the union members, but it's really not good for the producers because they've just gone through a year and a half of not being able to produce anything. They need to be up and running again. They absolutely have to be up and running again. Okay, anyway. Uh, next up, let's see, where are we at here? We're at Mob Pim writes, everybody seems to believe Toby and Andrew will appear in No Way Home, right? Even though there's zero evidence that they will be. Uh, I believe we might see their versions of Spider-Man slash Peter Parker, but not necessarily the actors. If true, does it defeat the purpose of having them show at all? No, because listen, the, the, the purpose is to make a good movie. Okay. The purpose is to make a good movie. The the purpose isn't to, you know, have quick cameos. And if the if the movie requires just these different Spider-Men, but you don't have to see Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield, then fine. That doesn't defeat the purpose at all. The purpose is to make the best movie possible. Now, you guys know I'm on record as saying this. There is absolutely zero real evidence that either Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire will be in this movie. Zero evidence. However, I have also said for many weeks now that I, well, longer than weeks, months now, that I believe they will be in the movie. I believe they will be. I'll be mildly surprised if they're not. Uh, I believe they will be there, but there is actually no real legitimate evidence to suggest otherwise. Andrew Garfield continues to deny that he's in it. Charlie Cox is now denying he's in it. We're going to talk about that on the John Campus show tomorrow. 
about Charlie Cox's uh, latest denials. But anyway, yeah. All right, let's keep going on here. Uh, Joe Wakefield writes, one of four. I work in the film industry, but unfortunately had to move from L.A. back to, to Dearborn, Detroit, Michigan due to the pandemic. I've recently started going back to the movies and I find myself, myself stressing out over the attendance. I think some of us who live in L.A. get a, get a skewed idea of how the industry is doing. Now, granted, it might be Detroit slash Dearborn. The surrounding population may simply not feel comfortable going to the theater. It happens. Culture, religion, other sensibilities, what have you. Uh, box office aside, my fear is that if people in certain areas stop going to the theaters, will those theaters shut down? Would that mean I would have to drive hours to go to the movies like a concert or some other big event? I'm I'm not afraid of the industry or theaters disappearing. I'm afraid of them becoming a niche entertainment and that I'm going to have to go out of my way to seek them out thoughts. All right. Thanks for sending that in Joe Wakefield. And by the way, our friend Kevin Cow sends in a super chat badge in live chat. Thank you, Kevin. Um, not wanting to go to the movies. Um, a lot of people are you know, nervous about this, nervous about that. But on top of all of that, you also got to understand that that we haven't had a regular back to our regular flow of movies coming out in theater. So yeah, we've had Shang-Chi come out. We've had a few smaller films, but October is going to be the month when we really do see the start of the movie industry getting back to normal. Right. And it's not going to be fully back to normal in the month of October, but it's just that we're we're getting our first month where we have a good number of big films coming out, you know, new big film every week for the month. This is the first time that this is happening. So I would suggest to you, I don't I'm not really worried about it at all. And I think you're not going to really see really be able to evaluate where things are at with the industry until you get to like to mid-November. But nah, I wouldn't worry about it. I, I honestly wouldn't. I wouldn't worry about it at all. So that's just me. All right. Next up. Um, and I, oh, I lost my screen here. Give me a second. Next up, we have, uh, that was Joe Wakefield, uh, number four, Dangerous D writes, Hey, John, Supergirl will be on the Flash movie starring Sasha Callie as the Girl of Steel. Um, there are now reports that HBO Max wants a prequel on Supergirl showing her origin story. Uh, didn't we have an origin story for six seasons on CW? Why do this again? Will you watch? Because it's a totally different incarnation. It's a totally different uh, thing of it. That's like saying um, that the crappy Superman that we had on Supergirl, well, why do we have Henry Cavill? Well, because they're two different things. Yes, they're both called Superman, but they are two very different things. Just like the two flashes we have going, the Grant Gustin flash, the Ezra Miller flash, they are two totally separate things. So no, this will be a completely new iteration. It's going to be something completely new and completely different and completely fresh and hopefully completely better. So that's my take on that. All right, next up. Uh, let's see, Scott Brown writes, I love scores. In my wise age of 41, I listen to scores more than regular music. Uh, Clint Menzel, Jed Palmer, Hans Zimmer, and Daniel Pemberton are some of my favorites. My question is, do you own any scores from composers you love, even though you haven't seen the movie? No, I don't. Now, I don't know about you guys. I mean, I'll, I'll listen to a lot of movie scores. As a matter of fact, like when I get in the show, I've already told you guys, right? Like two or three times a week, without exaggeration, literally two or three times a week. I get into the shower in the morning and I say, I got to whisper it because or else my Google's going to hear me. I say, hey, Google, play 
What are you going to do when you're not saving the world by Hans Zimmer? Which is, of course, the Man of Steel theme from Man of Steel, right? And bum, 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 bum. Like, I, I just get, it just gets my, that music gets my blood pumping and all that kind of stuff. But as soon as that song is done, what Google then does is it tries to play another similar sort of thing. So it plays me more music, movie score music, right? So, but do I own any that isn't that from movies that I don't watch or haven't seen? I got to admit, I don't, Scott. I got to admit, I don't. So you're into it more than I am. So a tip of the hat to you, sir. A tip of the hat to you. All right. Next up, we got Jonathan who writes, free guy, which is amazing, by the way, still remains my number one movie of the year. We'll see it a second time this Sunday. I've already seen it three or four times. Uh, Spider-Man could dethrone, but let's see. Free Guy is the best theater experience I've had in 2021. Something joyous and awesome about that movie. I cannot wait to see it again. Listen, we were talking about it uh, the other day that, you know, we'll see how this weekend does, but last weekend was Free Guy's sixth week in release. Six, six weeks in release, and it was still number two at the box office. It's already crossed $300 million, which is amazing for this little film that, frankly, I didn't even think looked all that, all that good. I didn't think it looked bad. Like, I was interested in the movie, but I didn't think it looked great, even though Ryan Reynolds is, like, my favorite movie star. But that movie is great. And I, I'm still not sure whether I prefer it or Shang-Chi. I mean, I've seen Shang-Chi seven times out there, so maybe I prefer Shang-Chi. I don't know, but it is fantastic. If you guys still haven't seen, uh, if you guys haven't seen Free Guy, Bryce Evans is saying, great, love Free Guy. If you guys have a chance to see Free Guy, get out and see Free Guy. It's And, and go see it on the big screen. Go see it on the big screen. Okay, next up, we've got Tim Platt. And Tim Platt writes, uh, where are we? There he is. Uh, I really want to watch Ted Lasso, but I'm not paying for another effing streaming service. I'm working and going to school. I'm working and going to school now so I can binge watch it like I was. So I can binge watch it like I was some other shows over the summer. Death to the streaming wars. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, Tim. I do. But I, I would also suggest this. If I'm not mistaken, Apple TV Plus, I still think is, correct me if I'm wrong in the live chat, guys, but is it not um, like six bucks a month? Isn't it still like $5.99 or six bucks a month or something like that? Like I said, correct me in the, in the live chat, but I still think it's like amongst the cheapest of the streaming services. And if you buy a nerdy mastermind is saying five bucks, that boys, yeah, five bucks. Okay, it's five bucks. It's five bucks. Like, that's less than you're going to spend on McDonald's. That's, pardon me, that's less than, I don't know, just about anything. Now, Apple TV Plus will not stay $5 forever. But at 5 bucks, getting Ted Lasso, getting For All Mankind, getting Morning Show, Getting, I mean, there, and there's a, just a lot of stuff on there. But yeah, Ted, I, I'm telling you, my friend, it's worth $5. I mean, worst case scenario, get it for two months. Drop 10 bucks. Watch, you know, all of For All Mankind. Watch the two seasons of Ted Lasso. And then cancel it if you want to. Then cancel it if you want to after that. But it is really cheap. 
it is really cheap. I'd say, you know, all you got to do is sacrifice one restaurant outing this month. That's it. I mean, even a fast food, like if you go to like pick up Carl's Jr. or something once a week or twice a week, just say one day this month, instead of going to Carl's Jr., I'm going to take the money I was going to spend to Carl's Jr. and I'm going to get Apple TV Plus. Because again, it's one of the cheapest ones out there. So, and believe me, Ted Lasso is worth it. It is just one of the most delightful, delightful shows. Um, You absolutely should watch. It's going to make your heart smile. Uh, Yeah, go check it out. All right, next up, uh, we've got Two Faces and Attorney Rights. So I'm fairly new to the show. Well, it's good to have you here. I love it, by the way. And I'm trying to get a sense of your rules. I noticed the other day that you skipped certain Streamlabs slash Super Chats because someone called themselves something or wrote something you didn't like. Uh, You skipped over it like, oh, sorry. Uh, For example, on your tech special, somebody wrote in that we were having issues in the chat and you skipped over it. Oh, I, I must've just missed it. I don't recall that at all. I might've just overlooked it. I, I don't recall that one at all. Um, seems strange considering they're sending you money. So how bad does a paid comment have to be that you would skip? All right. That's a good question Two face. Let me be very clear about something right off the bat because when you send in and I'm going to see if I can find it here. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, give me one moment. Give me one moment. I'm going to see if I can pull he something, said something up kind- here without uh, getting things too out of hand. Okay, so let me bring this up. In, in, the, um, in the description of every show, there's this paragraph, right? Let, let me read this just to be very, very clear, Okay. In this paragraph, in the show notes of every show that we do, it says, leave a question when you tip at uh, streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip, and it will be answered on the show or the next show we do. Remember, you are submitting a tip to support the channel. You are not buying a question to be on the show. We are happy to answer the question or comments you submit with your tips, but we reserve the right not to air any questions or comments if we consider it inappropriate, unconstructive, or disruptive or disruptive to the flow of the show. All right, so let, let me read that one more time because this is in the description of every single one of our shows. All right. Leave a question or comment at streamelements.com slash movieblogtv.com and it'll be answered on the show or the next one we do. Remember, though, you are submitting a tip to support the channel. You are not buying a question to be answered on the show. We are happy to answer questions or comments that you submit with your tips, but we reserve the right to not air any question or comment if we consider it inappropriate, unconstructive, or disruptive to the flow of the show. That is a very, very important thing to know. Like, when you send in a tip to support the show, uh, in the voice of Bane from The Dark Knight Rises, and you believe this gives you power over me? Because, yeah, just because you send in a tip, that doesn't mean you have purchased the right to have whatever it is you want to write read on our show. You haven't. Because sometimes people in, I remember one of the earlier shows, like somebody wrote, literally wrote in a big spoiler about an upcoming movie. And I'm not going to read that out loud. I'm not going to read that out loud. And, you know, somebody should have caught it. And listen, the reason why, um, the reason why, you know, it looks like this, right? Is because I actually have somebody go through all the tip questions that come in and actually moderate them. 
And I'd say out of every 50 tip questions that get sent in, maybe one has to be removed. Maybe one has to be removed because they, they put out a big spoiler for an upcoming movie, or maybe one has to be removed because they attack another viewer in their thing, or maybe one has to be removed because, uh, for whatever reason that we find it to be inappropriate, right? So yes, when somebody sends in, uh, a tip, you are sending in a tip to support the channel. You are not buying a time slot on the show to have your question read. We will, as a sign of gratitude for the tip, we will address whatever question and comment you want to send in, provided that we do consider it appropriate and not um, disruptive or unconstructive to the show. And again, that's very, very rare. It's very, very rare that that happens. And every once in a while, yeah, I, I, like, listen, I'm I'm flying through all these questions. I get through about 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 questions every day. So I, I'm sure as I'm trying to scroll through and get to the questions, because remember, I don't have a producer here that's handling this. I'm doing it myself while I'm doing the show live. Once in every long while, I accidentally skip over one. But when that happens, usually somebody emails me and say, hey, you know, I accidentally missed one of my questions. And I'll, then I'll try to make sure I get back to it. But yes, um, there you go. Uh, so I hope that answers quite good question, Two-Face. Good question. All right. Next up, uh, we are at Oscar Fierro writes, hey, John, uh, do you watch old trailers just because they were awesome and well-made? Yes, sometimes I do. Um, sometimes I watch the Logan trailer uh, or the Batman versus Superman trailer again, even if I didn't like the movie at all. I just love to feel the excitement of a movie trailer one more time. You know what movie I do that for every once in a while? The Phantom Menace. I, I contend, if you guys have not seen my movie, uh, movie trailers, a 